Uh, today is a great day of celebration, as we've already mentioned, and uh, our hope is that today we wouldn't shine the spotlight on us and on our church and on our achievements, but that we would shine the spotlight on Jesus, because that's what we're all about here at Anchor. We're all about Jesus. And so we believe that he deserves all of the glory, the praise and honor for every good thing that has happened. And there are many good things that have happened over the last 12 months. And so we want to praise him this morning. We're going to do just that. We were in, a, in the middle of a series in 1 Peter. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't, that's fine. We've got uh, the verses. They'll be on the screen for you to follow. Now, um, I'm just going to have to apologize because I changed everything at about 8 o'clock last night. And so Dan is going to try and catch up with my verses wherever they're at. He's just going to try and roll with it. So uh, we're going to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start reading. Sorry, chapter 2. Chapter 2. We're going to start reading from verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you that in this book we read how you would have us view ourselves as the church. Lord, we know that so often we seek to take our identity from what others would say of us, from what our culture would say of us, from our past failures and mistakes. Lord, we pray this morning we would hear your verdict on our lives and on this church. We ask, Father, that you would encourage us by what you have been doing here and what you will continue to do for your name. We pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. I um, grew up in Cape Town, and as a kid, I remember traveling back from the beach or traveling back from family houses. And in Cape Town, uh, kind of everything is is near a mountain, like there's mountains everywhere. And so if you travel anywhere in Cape Town, you travel either through, past or next to a mountain. And I remember a, a number of times we'd be traveling home and my dad would pull the car over and we'd get out and we'd just start loading rocks and stones and boulders into the boot of the car so that he could take them home and build these little rock uh, you know, walls and, and garden beds and all this kind of stuff. And I used to think it was kind of a bit lame until... I read this really cool article in the Smith Journal of, of a guy called Jack who had this company in Byron Bay called Byron Bay Stoneworks and he builds the most amazing things out of stone. He does exactly what we did. He goes on a big treasure hunt in the morning and he finds rocks, the, the specific rock that he needs. He doesn't buy a large bit of rock and cut it to size. He believes that the, the best looking rocks are the ones that nature has formed itself. And so he goes out hunting on this massive treasure hunt. He finds his rocks, puts them in his ute, and he takes them to his job site and he builds not just walls, but it's art. I mean, it's incredible, this, this, um, this stuff that he makes. And that is the very same image that Peter uses of the church here in 1 Peter chapter 2, that the church is like 
building bricks that have been built together into this beautiful house, this temple. The question I want to ask this morning is, what, what is Anchor Church? What is this thing that we've been pouring ourselves into for the last 12 months? Is it a dying institution with a fast approaching use-by date? Is it a social club with spiritual overtones? Is it a nuisance on Sunday morning to our neighbours who don't want to hear our music? Is it a social justice group set up to help care for people? Like, What is happening here? What is this thing that we're a part of? You know, culturally, the church is in decline. Church attendance figures are dropping dramatically. The importance and influence of the church culturally is decreasing. In fact, most people would say that they're disenfranchised with the established church. At least significant proportions of the emerging generation would say that. And so what are we doing? What are we doing starting something that by all um, external measures looks like it's just going to die and fade and pass away? What, are we, what is this thing that we're a part of? Well, this morning what I want us to see from these passages here in 1 Peter chapter 2 is that the church desperately needs to live this identity out and our culture needs to know this about us. And these are the three things I want to communicate this morning. The first is the church is more than a building. The second is that Christians are more than consumers. And the third is that Jesus is way more than irrelevant. So firstly, the church is more than a building. From these verses, Peter tells us that church is a spiritual temple that is being built on the foundation of Jesus. Have a look at verse 4 again with me, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Peter describes Jesus here as a living stone. A living stone. That is an oxymoron if I've ever heard of one. A living stone. I mean, stones aren't alive. Right? They're just inanimate objects. They've got no life in them. However, in Death Valley in eastern California, there is a mystery that has puzzled scientists for many years. At a place called Racetrack Player, there are 300-kilogram boulders and rocks that move all by themselves. No human intervention, no animal intervention. They just move. They slide along the surface of this very flat mudplain. And scientists were baffled by it. They leave these very big, deep tracks. And I think we've got a picture of one on the screen as these rocks move across this, this mudplain. And it, it took them until August last year to figure out exactly what was happening. They put like GPS trackers in top of the rocks and they had time-lapse videos and they filmed what was happening. And this is what they figured out was what was actually happening there. At night, this is one of the hottest places on the, on the surface of the earth, but at night, the temperature actually gets down to below freezing and forms a very, very thin layer of ice across the top of the mud. And then strong winds blow through and they push these rocks across the top of the ice and they move at a rate of two millimeters per hour. And they end up leaving these long, big tracks. And so they've been nicknamed the Sailing Stones. Living stones, if you like. And that's the image that, that Peter gives Jesus here, that he is a living stone. But what does it mean that he's a living stone? 
Well, he's living in the sense that he is risen from the dead. We saw that a few weeks ago, that Jesus is alive. He's a living stone because he defeated death. He stared it down. He walked out of that grave. He's alive. We worship a living Lord. And he's a stone because, as we're about to see, Jesus is a cornerstone, a foundational stone in the building of the church. Twice in these verses, Peter mentions that Jesus is a cornerstone. Cornerstone. Now, a cornerstone was the very first stone that was laid in the building project, the very first foundational stone, and every other stone was laid on top of that foundation stone. It gave reference to all the other stones in that building. So that if you were to take that cornerstone away, the whole building itself would crumble and fall and break. In fact, every other stone was positioned in such specific reference to the cornerstone that it actually shaped the whole trajectory and position of the building itself. This is the most important stone in the whole building. Now, building methods for us in the 21st century are vastly different from that. We lay foundations today very differently from the way they did in the first century. But you will still find some buildings today with a symbolic cornerstone. It has no structural value. It's just there for a sense of ceremony, maybe marking the person who built the building, marking the name of the architect or, or potentially the archbishop who, who blessed the building and opened it in some era ago. But we have these symbolic cornerstones that still exist today. But Jesus here is the foundational cornerstone of the church. Everything about us takes its cue from him. What we look like, the way we face the Structural soundness of this is all dependent on Jesus, on the cornerstone. Anchor Church is all about Jesus. really said that and we talk about Jesus a lot. Because if you take Jesus away, this is nothing. Like this is a really, really lame hobby without Jesus. I would much prefer riding my motorbike, surfing or something else and coming to church. This is a lame hobby, but if Jesus is who he says he is, it changes everything for us. Jesus is our foundation. There is nothing more reliable, more sure, more steadfast than the one who walked out of the grave and rose again from the dead. And as Jesus builds his church, we, God's people, are the symbolic building stones that make up the building. Have a look at what he says there in verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That's why we say at Anchor, the church isn't a building. We're not a building. We're way more than a building. Buildings are important. I mean, we're meeting in a building. We pay rent on a building. But this is not the defining thing about who we are. Church is more than a building. Church is more than an event than you just attend for two hours to be entertained on a Sunday. Right? Church is God's people. We are the church. There's a very famous... Uh, Spartan quote. I'm not sure if it's true or not. I don't really care because it's, it's pretty cool. But um, it says this, apparently when King uh, Agesilaus was asked by a visiting monarch why Sparta had no walls for defense, he turned and he pointed to his army and he said, these are the walls of Sparta. You know, when your attack is so brutal that you, you don't even need any walls for defense because he's got the best army in the whole world. 
And you could equally say to the question, where is your church building? By saying, this is our church building. These people are our church building. Because we are the living stones that Jesus is putting together to build his church. And in verse 5, it says there that Jesus is building a spiritual house. Spiritual house. Not just any house, but God's house. The temple. Jesus is building a new temple in which his presence will be manifest in a new way. Remember Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you, that is not you singular as in an individual, but you use... To use an Aussie, Aussie word, use the church, you plural, are God's temple. The church is God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. This is a wonderful picture of Old Testament worship where God's people would gather to worship him in the temple. Where his presence was said to dwell in the Holy of Holies. And Peter says now the church is the temple of God. The presence of Jesus by his spirit is here. Wonderful picture of what Jesus is building and God is doing. The church is more than a building. And if you love Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you worship him, then, then you're a part of the building. You're a part of it. You're not left out. You're not on the fringes. Jesus doesn't leave any bricks on the pile, right? He, he puts them all in the building. And people should never feel that way. You are as much a part of what God is doing here as anyone else. No matter what your position, your title, your role, Jesus has placed you, that stone, perfectly in his temple where he wants you for his purposes. We are living stones being built into a spiritual temple. You know, I've always found it strange when people say to me, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. And I kind of get what they're saying. I kind of get that you don't have to be a, you know, go to church to be a Christian. But here's the thing, right? Being a Christian and being a part of God's people are so intrinsically linked, it's, it's almost impossible to divorce those two things. By definition, you cannot be a solo Christian. We're being built into it. There's no like one brick that makes up the whole temple. We're all of the bricks built together, the people of God, to make up the temple. So such a wonderful privilege to be a part of this thing that Jesus is building. And so I kind of hear that. I think, well, why wouldn't you want to be with God's people? This is the best thing ever. I love church. We are all bricks in the temple that Jesus is building. And so we need to be more than just a building here at Anchor. We need to be more than just an event that happens here for a few hours on Sundays where we come and we're entertained and then it has no bearing on the rest of our week. We're, the, we're about more than Sundays, than buildings. Jesus is building his church, his presence on earth, manifest through us to be his hands and feet to this world. The church is more than a building. Church is the people of God. That's the first thing that we need to know and understand. And that needs to be communicated to our culture that thinks very differently about the church than that picture there. We are more than a building. The second thing that we need to know is that we are more than consumers. We're more than consumers. Jesus is building his church and he's gathering his people for a purpose. Have a look there in verse 5 again. You yourselves... 
like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Why? For what purpose? To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know, traditionally, the picture of the church was that it was a professional few that would do all of the ministry. A professional few that would do all of the ministry. That was very true of the church in the period of the Reformation where you had this special ecclesiastical class that, that did everything, that they did all of the special ministry and people would just simply come and, and be a, a, a spectator of this. I mean, in the 15th century, you couldn't even read the Bible in your own language. The church wouldn't let you publish a Bible in the language that you could read, so you had to go and study a dead language so you could read it for yourself. Even today, even today, sometimes the church can be about a professional few doing the ministry. That's the case when we're all about those who are theologically trained being the only ones who can be in ministry. Those who are, are the professionals can only speak of Jesus. When we value only the gifts of preaching and teaching, all of that says that church is really just about some professional performing a, a duty on a Sunday that you spectate on. That's not what the church is about. Peter says that every single Christian gets to play their part in what God is doing. Because he calls us priests, a holy priesthood. Now in the Old Testament, the priests were a select few from the tribe of Levi who were to serve God and serve the people by offering sacrifices in the temple. And you couldn't be a priest if you weren't born from that clan, that clan and tribe. But Peter says here that now because you've been born again in Christ, everyone is a priest. Every single person is a priest. We're a holy priesthood. Serving God, serving people, offering spiritual sacrifices, it says there. Not bulls and goats and lambs, but living sacrifices, our bodies, as an act of worship and service to God for what He has done. And we live lives of worship 24-7. You are a walking priest if you're in Christ, every single one of you. We're not just consumers. We're contributors. We're a part of what God is doing here. This is not just about me and Brad and Brian because you guys pay us to free us up to work here. This is about all of us playing our part. We need to know this as a church. We need to live this truth out because for too long people have been sitting as spectators in the pews watching and being entertained and not partaking what Jesus has called us to. You know what this means? It means that, that as the pastor here at Anchor, I'm not the only shepherd. I'm not the only, part, I'm not the only person who cares for people. We all care for, we, we care for each other in that sense. The, the burden, the primary responsibility of caring for people here does not rest on me or a few, but on all of us, because every single one of us is a priest in this thing that Jesus is building. Ephesians chapter 4 says that my role is an unleashing role, an empowering role. It says that those who have gifts of the word ought to equip the saints for works of service. And so if I as a pastor am controlling and power hungry and fail to delegate, delegate and micromanage everyone and I'm doing all the work, now I'm ripping you off. I'm ripping you off. Remember it. 
a mentoring session I had once back in youth ministry days. I caught up with this guy who was quite, quite a well-known youth pastor in our city. And um, I caught up with him and I began to tell him about all of the things that I did in our youth ministry. And I rattled off the fact that I would preach as well as do the sound desk and just did everything. And, and he said to me, what are you doing? You're ripping your people off. That's not your job to do everything. Your job is to empower people to do them, to unleash people, to serve others and to serve Jesus. We are priests in what God is doing. We're not just consumers. We're contributors in this thing. We are the church. And we live this identity out 24-7 every single day of our lives. We serve people. We serve Jesus. We love others. We're a priesthood. So Christians are more than consumers. The church is more than a building. And thirdly and finally, Jesus is way more than ordinary. This is what it says in verse 6. For as it stands in Scripture, Peter quotes a number of Old Testament passages here. Behold, I, this is God speaking, I am laying a stone in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. To some, Jesus is a rock that that you will trip over. Now to others, Jesus is a foundation stone that you will build your life upon. He's one of those two. The thing that Jesus can't be is irrelevant. Jesus can't just be moderately important. Right? He's either infinitely important or of no value whatsoever. He is either a, a stone that we trip over or a foundation rock that we build our lives upon. You know, there's various opinions about Jesus. Even in this room today, there are many opinions and thoughts about who Jesus is and what he came to do. Peter says, you know, when you get what Jesus is doing, when you get this thing that Jesus is building, when you get what he did, you will either trip over what he has said, you'll either trip over his life, or you'll build your life on him. Since the time that Jesus first walked this earth, people have been stumbling over what Jesus taught, over his lifestyle. The religious people of the time could not fathom the company that Jesus kept. Prostitutes, tax collectors, extortioners, people who were living loosely. They, they couldn't get what Jesus was saying when he said, you know what, your religion, your religiosity with its focus on externals, with its neglect of justice, with its neglect of people, God does not care for that at all. And that offended the people of the day. People tripped and stumbled over Jesus, his life, his message, his teaching. You know, it still happens today in a pluralistic world. People stumble over the exclusive claims of Jesus. In a world of self-help and um, you can do this, in a world of people are generally good, we stumble over the fact that Jesus diagnoses our hearts and says they're sinful, broken, bent, and in need of rescuing and saving. The message of Jesus can be offensive. But when we get what Jesus did, when we get that he died on the cross to forgive us from our sins, every single one of them, when we get that his perfect life that he lived without sin, 
without putting a foot wrong ever, was given to us, lived for us, and then died for us, and that his resurrection vindicates him, guaranteeing our resurrection, that those who have faith in Jesus would not only just have their sins washed away, but would have a perfect righteousness gifted to them. When we get that, I can't help but think, why wouldn't you want to build your life on what Jesus has done and who he is? Jesus becomes a foundation for your life. He becomes the precious cornerstone that Peter speaks of here. And so I want to ask you today, what what are you building your life on? What is the foundation of your life? Because we'd all agree, right, that if you build your life on the wrong foundation, it's going to fall apart. You need a good foundation to build your life on. So what is it? What have you built your life on? Is it your career? Is it your family? What is it? What is the foundation in your life? You know, the problem with career is that it changes. You get fired. You retire. The problem with family is they break our hearts. They leave us. Sometimes they pass away. What, what is the foundation that you're building your life on? Because I, I can tell you that the only foundation that appears to me to be dependable and solid and trustworthy is the one who has died and then risen again to tell us how it's going to play out. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one that we can build our lives on and trust that it will not fail. He will not fail us. My suggestion this morning is that if you have not found a foundation that is firm and steadfast, that you would check out the claims of Jesus and what he says. Because he is the cornerstone. He is worth building your life upon. This church, Anchor, we are far more than just a building. We are far more than just consumers. And Jesus, our, our cornerstone, our foundation, is way more than just irrelevant. He is our God, our King. We love Him, we worship Him, and we give our lives to Him. This, this thing that God has done here over the last 12 months is not just mere religious institutionalism. This is the people of God. And friends, if you know us, if you have a window into what Jesus is doing here, you will see that he is building his church. You will see that he is transforming lives. And we just saw a snippet of some of those in the video. But every single one of you who calls Anchor home, Jesus is working, transforming you, building you into his house for his purposes so that we could make the name of Jesus great in this city. What a wonderful privilege it is to be a part of what God is doing here. And so as we reflect back on the last 12 months, yes, it's been hard work. Man, it has been hard work, this thing, planning a church. I mean, just this morning, whoa, production team, guys, what a, that was crazy, right? We come in here every Sunday and it's a mess and it's different and, and you just got to roll with it and and people's lives are messy, and we're trying to live in community, and we've got two sinful people grading again. Like it's. M- but I wouldn't give anything. I wouldn't swap any of this. Because as we begin to be the community that God has called us to be, as we're those living stones placed in Jesus' spiritual house, 
the name of Jesus begins to look good. The name of Jesus is proclaimed in this city. And we begin to fulfill what God has called us to. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege. We are so thankful to God for everything that he has done in the last 12 months here at Anchor. And we're excited and expectant for what Jesus will continue to do in us, through us, for his name and for the good of this city. And so we're going to celebrate this morning. We're going to keep celebrating for the rest of the day what God has been doing here. We're going to celebrate in praising our God as the band comes up in a sec. We're also going to celebrate in the Lord's Supper. This meal is a celebration of the gospel, of what Jesus has done in dying for us. We've got two stations to the right and left of the stage. And on those stations are some bread and some grape juice. They're symbols that represent, the bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken for our forgiveness. His blood, which was shed to wash away our sins. As you come forward this morning, as, as God leads you, celebrate what Jesus has done for you. My friends, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, if you're a guest here this morning, please don't feel pressured to partake in this at all. If you're here from another church and you would normally do that, then please join us. We're family. It doesn't matter what different brand, name, denomination you're a part of. If you love Jesus, please join with us in the unity that this symbol demonstrates. We're going to worship our God. We're going to celebrate. I'm going to invite the band to come up. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. Father God, we thank you for what you have been doing here for the last 12 months. We rejoice, Lord, in transformed lives, in lives that have been radically changed by what you have been doing. We thank you that you take every single one of us and you place us perfectly where you want us, in your temple, in your house. We thank you that you've done that for a purpose, that you might use us to contribute to what you are doing, not that we're just spectators watching this, but we're a part of it. We thank you, Jesus, that you are way more than irrelevant, that you are the cornerstone, dependable, steadfast. And this morning, Father, we want to declare that our church, our lives, are firmly grounded on Jesus, our cornerstone. We pray this in his strong name. God's people said, Amen.